God, I, I pray that your Holy Spirit would direct this time. God, I know that I've done my best to prepare what, what I feel like you have to say for today. And I just pray that this would just be an environment of, of peace, of honesty, of openness. God, where your word can go forth, where we can see the authority you've given us in Scripture. God, that you would put it in us. God, that you would speak to us each in an individual way. And God, that you would speak to us corporately as well. God, calling us to to really step into who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you like being in uh, positions of authority? How many of you hate being in positions of authority? It's interesting, right? There's, there's like a mix of both, and most of us that like being in positions of authority, it's because we like to kind of have control and oversight of, of what's going on, and, and maybe we don't trust others to do it, or something like that, you know, or think we could do it better. And those of us that don't like being in positions of authority, it's a lot of times we just, we don't feel equipped, or we don't want that, we don't want to carry that responsibility, right? We want, we wish there was somebody else that was more equipped that could just do it, and the pressure of, of, of carrying that authority. It's been so cool to listen to the, these messages that Pastor Joe has been given about God's authority and talking about different areas of our life that need to be submitted to God's authority. And I kind of wanted to take like a more of a, a bird's eye view in Scripture and actually look at the authority that God gives us, what our role in, in some of this is, and kind of look at, at Genesis and some other areas throughout Scripture and, and kind of share a little bit. And so... My wife and I were a part of a team in Washington, D.C., right after I, I graduated from college, that this, this team's full-time job was to, and, and we, we gave a season of our life to go to Washington, D.C. and just pray for our nation. And so what we just did here a few minutes ago, like we gave our lives to that for about five or six months and just day after day with this team committed with a group of people that got, gathered together and, and prayed for our nation. We stood in front of the Supreme Court and we, we, we cried out to a higher court that was above it for God to move. And I remember at that time kind of at least the Lord taking me on a journey of teaching me because there, you have these questions like, was, as one person, do my prayers matter? You know, and, and I think if we're honest, like, like we, we have these, these questions in us, like when we gather and we, we humble ourselves and we hang on this promise of if you humble yourself and pray, I'll heal your land. But we have these questions in us of what authority do we have to make any difference? At least I, at least I, I sometimes feel like I have the responsibility, but I don't have the, the authority to walk out what my responsibility is. So we, we have a, a couple new Youth leaders helping us out for, for the summer. Brianna LeClaire and Blake Nottingham are helping us out. And they were both recently graduated. And I have, I, and so I, I warned them. I, I, I said this, and I'm, I'm going to make an analogy here, okay, between sometimes recently graduated leadership uh, in, in, in youth ministry and kind of how I feel sometimes, or I feel like the church feels sometimes in their spiritual walk. So, that, that's, so, so hang on. So they've jumped on board, and I, I warned them. I said almost every leader that I have that's a recent graduate, that's a really young leader, runs into this, this issue. They feel the responsibility and the weight of being called to, to leadership. Um, and they see maybe me teaching and I'm teaching the Bible and kids are listening or kids are messing around. And I'm like, hey, be quiet, come over here. And they all kind of like listen. And they, they, there's kind of some measure of authority that they see that, that I hold and that I, that I carry. 
Um, and then the, the young leaders will come and they will try, they will think, okay, I'm a leader now. I can do, I can do the same thing. And, and they try and maybe the things that they say aren't taken as seriously. You know, kids are like going nuts. So swinging from the lights in here. No, that doesn't really happen. But they're like, you know, they're like going wild, throwing dodgeballs. And they're like, come on, come on, let's, let's. And there, there's like the response isn't the same. They, you know, and so I made sure I, you know, warned them, you know, your influence in their life won't just be through some kind of position that you hold. It's over time as, as you walk and honoring them and pouring into their life, they're going to begin to trust you. And that's where your real influence is really found. So, but I sometimes feel like I'm in that position in my Christian walk, <laughs> That I've been given a responsibility, that I've been given a measure of, of leadership, a calling on my, on my life, that I wonder if I have the spiritual authority to walk out. Have you ever felt that way? <laughs> so I want to at least o- open the discussion and crack open the, theology, the theological question of what authority do we have and make some claims that at least provide a, a, a framework for beginning to engage with this question, you know, when, and really like this has to do with like, when do our prayers carry authority? When, when does what we do make a difference? And so starting, and I know Pastor Joe talked a little bit about creation and God's authority in creation and things like that, but, but to, to look at it in light of this, Genesis 1, uh, 26, God says, let us make mankind in our image. And there's all sorts of talk about what that means to be created in his image, right? We know that we're not created in his image in the, in the, in the sense of, like, we're not like him in his, uh, in his nature, like his omnipotence, right, or his omniscience. We don't know everything, or his, his or omnipresence. We're not everywhere, right? We know we're not like him in that way. We know that we can be like him in his character. We call these things the communicable attributes of God, right? So like that he's faithful and loving and kind. We never measure up to these things, but we can be like him. We're created with him in his image and that we can do those things. But also I think we're like him in the fact that we as well are creators, right? That, that our choices, the choices you, you make, you have a, a will, you have a free will, and the choices that you make actually create reality. And so like him, you were designed as, uh, as a creator. And to think about that for a second, that in and of itself is really powerful. So I'll, I'll just keep reading. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that, they may, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So God not only creates us and makes us in his image, but then he gives us this responsibility, this task of having what we call like dominion over the earth, right? Take dominion over the earth. And the the Hebrew words that are used here are a little bit interesting. So I'm just going to share a couple of them. The word uh, that's, that's, that's used that we translate as subdue, kavash, means to rule over. And it's almost like you put your, uh, like the, the word that's used in the Bible when they talk about 
to put your foot on, like a footstool on the enemy's neck in victory. If you've ever read scriptures like that, like this is this idea of standing over in victory, of having victory over. And so when the Lord says, subdue the earth, it's right, it's have victory, be victorious over, over the earth, which is interesting. Rada is the, the Hebrew verb to kind of take dominion. And it's related to other words that have the meanings of uh, like descend and to go down, to, to wander and to spread around. And so this verb literally means to rule by going down and walking among the subjects. Um, and it's interesting because the word that isn't used is, is there's another Hebrew word that's, that's called mishal that has more connotations of like power, of ruling over with like force. And even though he calls us in that victorious place, right, when he uses this word take, take dominion, it's more in this like relational sense of be among it, dwell in the earth, take, take dominion. So we are called to be a benevolent governing force over creation. It's our home and we're mandated to, to care for it. And this goes beyond even ruling over the fish and animals, but into be fruitful and, and, and multiply, right? Into family dynamics and things like that, that we have some measure of responsibility, leadership that's given to us, dominion. And when I say authority, I want to be re- really clear. Authority is the, the right to rule. Okay, so God has given us some measure of authority over the earth. He's given us a right to rule over the earth. And it doesn't take long to be thinking through this question, and eventually you get to like, wait a second, why, why in the world would God even do something like that? <laughs> like, we, we mess it up <laughs> all the time. Why would God give authority or dominion to, to us? That seems silly. Like, of course we're going to mess it up. And I think just through thinking about this, really the only real answer, right, is that, that he does it because, because of love. Because of, of, what love, of what love is. That if real love is going to exist, it involves giving us that opportunity to exercise love, to make that choice for love, which includes the, op- the, the ability to choose the opposite. That real love involves allowing the other party to be powerful, Okay, if I were if I were to use in my relationship with my wife, whatever measure of strength I have, whatever measure of control and manipulation I have, and I I I, I make her do the things that, that I want her to do, and I force her somehow by pointing a gun to her head to say that she loves me, it's not love. Force and control, force and manipulation even have nothing to do with the kingdom of God. And so in this, in this same, but instead, right, when does love really exist? Love really exists when I allow my wife to be powerful herself. When I, when I give her a place, a place of influence, right, where she has the ability to both choose either to love me or break my heart more than anyone else on the planet, Right? Like, this is love. Love requires, it requires this kind of dynamic. And this is what God does with us, is he's created us for relationship with him, but also for relationship with each other. And so he's wired within us this capacity to to carry this power to to love and also destroy (laughs) and, and bring 
and allow sin in, into the world. And this is ultimately what happens. And there's an immediate ac- application for this that I want you to hear, especially if, if you are uh, a young person today. I just felt like this is for you. So if you're, if you're a young person today, I feel like this, this part right here. You need to know that you are, you were created powerful. That you are a powerful being. Because in who you are, in who God's created you to be, you have the power today to either love and bless the heart of the most incredible being in the universe (laughs) or break it. And some of you maybe are like, I don't feel powerful. I don't feel like my life is one that, like, if, if I were to pick a word, that would not be the word that I would describe. And maybe even me using that word right now is making you uncomfortable because you're like, oh, you're not supposed to, you're not powerful, God's powerful. No, I'm saying in this case, like, literally, you are powerful in the sense of, like, you hold that capacity, you, with your choices, hold that capacity to either love God or reject Him. And that makes you in a, in a place, like, think of what that means that God gives that to you as a gift. That, that is incredible. So young people, <laughs> okay, if you feel like, man, everybody is an authority over you and like you're just trying to get by and fight for some measure of something to hold, hold on to that's yours or your own. No, know this. Like God has wired you. You are a powerful being that has been wired for relationship. Okay, let's go on. <laughs> so God has set up an authority structure where we are powerfully responsible. And there's a guiding principle here that I want to look at as as we move on, and that's that God honors the authority structures he puts in place. I'm going to say that again. God honors the authority structures that he he puts into place, and that's why if you make a decision and it's a terrible decision, it hurts you, and it hurts other people, and it hurts him. Because he's given you a measure of authority and he honors that authority that you have. And we see this even beyond an individual level. We begin to see it in a corporate level. So I want to look at, uh, at, a, at a passage from 1 Samuel. So if you have a Bible and you want to go there, awesome. 1 Samuel 8. And in this, in this context, I'm trying to think, I, I don't, I don't want to give too much background, but the people of Israel have just come through this season of the book of Judges, <laughs> where you know, they're, they're in the promised land and they kind of go through this, this cycle over and over again of God. They have a season of blessing and favor from the Lord, but then they turn their back on the Lord. And because of that, they're turning the back on the Lord. These consequences come in and they usually get taken over or hurt or lose a battle or something like that. And all of a sudden, then they're in a place of crying out to the Lord in repentance and coming back and and God raises up a, a judge, and this isn't a judge in the sense that you think of with a gavel. This is like some kind of deliverer. Usually it's a military figure or something like that, that God uses then to bring his people back, to, um, to allow for his people to enjoy uh, a season of peace or to begin to walk in their purposes as, as Israel. And they go through this cycle over and over and over. The whole book of Judges is this over and over and over again. Okay, so this is kind of towards the end of that season, and Samuel the prophet is getting older, and he's going he's gonna to die, and his sons, I'll, I'll just read this, but they're, so the people of Israel, I don't know if they know this going in, but they're probably getting sick of getting taken over, and this back and forth of when they, when they trust in the Lord, they're doing well, but when they don't trust in the war, Lord, they get beat up quite a bit. <laughs> 
And they're looking at the nations around them whose strength seems to be based on the strength of their king and the strength of their army. And so they come to Samuel and they say this. So this is 1 Samuel chapter 8, starting at verse 4. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, you are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord and the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have, have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. And then he goes on to say, uh, and, and I don't have to read it all, but he'll take your Sons for his army, putting him in the front lines. Some will be forced to plow fields or make weapons. He'll take your daughters as his servants. He'll tax you and take money. And the point of this is God's making it very clear. If you guys make this decision and I change this authority structure and you put yourself under a king, I will honor that authority structure that I set in place. And when that king makes bad decisions, there will be a day where you will cry out to me and I won't be able to answer. Like, that is an, an, that is an intense word. That, that, and, and this is how much, and we need to get a hold of this, because I think this answers all sorts of other theological questions, but I just want you to see it here. It's related to all sorts of things that I can't just get into to explore. I wish I could explore it all. And I still have questions about it. But there's this idea that God honors the authority structures he sets in place. And so in this, in this specific case in the Old Testament, he's saying, if you put a king in place and that, and that king makes bad decisions, I have to honor the decisions of that bad king. You have put yourself, uh, let me say it this way, the, is, the Israelites' right to rule, they gave to another. God can't intervene because he will honor that authority structure. So the solution to this, I think, is, is really come in, in the kind of in what I've titled the sermon is that there's really power in a, in a submitted life. That when we take the authority that God's given us, when you take the dominion that he's given us and the leadership that he's given, given us, and we just take it and we place it back in his hands, and not in a passive way, but an active way that submits leadership back to him. He begins to then work through our life in the leadership that, he, that he's given. He's able to bless it because we've made him king again. We've come under the right authority. And all of a sudden, he can work through us in power and blessing. Knowing God's desire and purpose for us to rule over the earth, a heart yielded to him can result in a beautiful cooperation in which we get to partake in the governing of the world. In combination with a heart enslaved to sin, however, authority can be a very dangerous thing. God honors the authority structures he sets in place, and our abuse of authority hurts ourselves, others, and ultimately God. I think of this uh, passage. I'm going to move to, to, to Jesus now. And you know, think of when Jesus first started his ministry, and he went for that, that season of prayer and fasting in the wilderness, and he has this encounter with Satan. And Satan tries to tempt him, right, to make rocks into bread and to, to throw himself off the cliff. And each time, Jesus is responding with the promise and the word of God and holding on to it. 
And I think it's really interesting that the, the devil's last claim, it says this. This is Matthew 4, verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And I read this and I, I at least ask, you know, why does Satan think he gets to offer this? <laughs> I'm like, and why did Jesus respond with that scripture and not just, well, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof? Like, what right did Satan have to offer him the kingdoms of the world? Who gave him the kingdom of the world? And then the answer is, we did. <laughs> that authority that God, that dominion that God, that responsibility that God gave to us over the earth, we allowed sin in. And we allowed it to wreak havoc on our relationships and our life and our kingdoms and our authority structures and our government. And all of a sudden, the, the, Satan can say to Jesus, because he really does have control over the kingdoms of the world, I will give this all to you. But, but Jesus' way of taking back authority, <laughs> of taking back the kingdom, looks so much different. And, it's, and, he, and he won't bow to Satan. And Jesus models this perfect example of somebody, right? Everybody thought the Messiah was going to be somebody who would come as a military figure. And Jesus comes with this perfect model of advancing the kingdom in power and authority. But it's not even through his own strength. It's all in submission to the, to the Father in the power of the Holy Spirit. His whole life is lived in submission. He says that he doesn't do anything on his own, but he only does what the Father shows him. And so every bit of power and authority that even Jesus w walks out and models for us when he's on earth is all in this place of submission to God. Like, and, and he's modeling for us how this should look. And he comes with a message. What is Jesus' message? It's about the kingdom of God. It's about what God has authority over. It's about the kingdom of God is here. And he sits and he, and he, and he models this. Isn't this wonderful? Jesus come, says that he, has come, that he comes to destroy the works of the enemy. Ultimately, I think this means to, to restore it to that original design of creation, right? We talk about original design, and as we break strongholds, we, we, we get back to the way that God originally designed it to be. So what does that mean for us if we've been given authority and dominion? That, that part of what Jesus does when he conquers sin, when he takes our place on the cross and defeats death and sin and we're raised to, to, to new life with Him. He brings us back to that place, not of just passively sitting under His leadership, but actively sitting under His leadership, ruling and reigning with Him. This is the concept that the Bible gives of the church. That the church is, is the hands and the feet of Jesus that walk out, that, that exercise authority on the earth. This is why when we get together and we get on our knees and we pray and we say, whatever measure of dominion and authority you give, in, give us, Lord, we give it to you. Whatever that looks like in our nation, we surrender it to you. We need you. We call for your Holy Spirit to come and move in our, our nation and we get out of the way. Guys, it's not about saying the right thing with our mouth. It's about laying down our life in submission to God. 
God giving whatever measure of, of authority and dominion he's placed in our hands and we give it back to him. And all of a sudden, in a right way, God can honor the authority structure that he's set up and still come in and move in power. Amen. Right? Amen. Some of you have felt powerless. <laughs> Some of you have, have, have wanted to hold on to the hope of Scripture that it says that you, that, that you can re- rule and reign or you see these things, but you haven't understood it. And I, my hope today is that you realize you are powerful, that we together as a church, especially corporately, sometimes we make this stuff too individual. You know, we super individualize it because we're American and that's what we do. We love, we love me. But, you know, like, we, there, this is more of like a corporate thing that the church is called to exercise governing of the earth. In John 14, 14, Jesus says, you may ask anything in my name and I will do it. And sometimes we struggle with this like it's some kind of vending machine prayer or something like that. But in this context, it makes sense. If we're asking something in the name of Jesus, under his authority, with his heart, and we're, we're, allowing, we're submitting that authority he's given us back to him, he can come in and, and move in power. In Matthew 16, 19, he says, I have given you the keys to the kingdom. And this is after, right, Peter declares Jesus as the, the son of God. And there's this revelation that happens. And Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church. And then this is what he says to Peter. I have given you the keys to the kingdom and what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And in late, later talking to more than just Peter, he says, I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you this, if two, or two, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Are you starting to see this? Like the picture that Jesus paints is this, is this giving of the ruling of the world. The, and this is like hard to kind of like take in. Sometimes like, why would you do this? And it's because of love. And we need to get this in our bones that we are not just passively walking by, trying to, so hard to walk out in, in, in the, the list of rules given to us by, by Christianity or something like that. You know what I mean? This, is, this looks so different. This is your identity is partnering under the Lordship of Christ, letting Him change you through the power of His Holy Spirit and then releasing you to, to, to advance His kingdom on the earth. Like we have a mission. We have a purpose. We have value and we get to be ambassadors for Christ, carrying out the ministry of reconciliation. Even the word ekklesia, what that, what that word means, right? The word in Greek is literally just translated gathering but when people would use it it was it was the kind of word that they would use if they were talking about a governmental body meeting together like that kind of gathering the leaders gathering and so when it would say hey let's like have church right that word ecclesia it like we need to have that picture it's not coming to some kind of social club where we just learn good things like when we come to get when we gather together the gathering together is so that we that so that we can rule the earth under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. When I feel like I'm not really carrying the authority I was made to carry, or more corporately, maybe that we aren't carrying the authority we were made to carry, I think we need to come back to the simple recognition that a powerful life comes from active active submission to the Lord, bringing the Lord into our situation. Whatever realm of responsibility the Lord has given me, I need to actively seek out involving His presence in it. 
This is not a passive thing. This isn't a letting go. This is an active participation with Christ. It's a yielding to Him. And I kind of want to, I want to close with kind of reading these scriptures from, from Ephesians and just letting it get, get in us. So this is Ephesians 1. I'm going to read Ephesians 1, 18 to 22, and then I'm going to read the first 10, 10 verses in Ephesians 2. Paul prays to the, over the Ephesians church, the church in Ephesus, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Ephesians 2, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in the kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that, no, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in us for, in advance for us to do. This is so, like that, I read that and I'm like, God, I don't feel like I deserve that. And I, I, I think about my life and, and maybe this is the root of the shift that needs to happen is that if I, if I don't see myself as created as a powerful being <laughs> that has the ability to break the heart of God or, or, or bless the heart of God and bring joy to it, to govern with Him on the earth, if, if I don't get that in my bones, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be just going through life, waiting for things to happen, watching for Him to move from, uh, from to rule from a distant place that's far off, and I'm just going to be looking for it. And that's not, that's not the picture the Bible paints of us. <laughs> the picture the Bible paints of us is this beautiful, divine cooperation with Him. He calls us to a life of authority in Jesus. And then, when we do that, he comes with his Holy Spirit <laughs> and actually gives us power to live out the kind of life that he calls us to. And we know that we can't do it on our own. I could never measure up. I could never do it. But empowered with his Holy Spirit, he begins to transform me into the image of Christ. And slowly but surely, I, be, I get, begin to partner with him 
exercising influence in the world around me in relationships, bringing love and grace and representing Jesus to those around me in a powerful way. This is the way the church is, is, is called to be together. So just an application t- today. You know, this was hard. I, I, I really felt like this is what the Lord wanted to say. And it was like, God, how do, we, how do we respond in obedience to this? And he didn't really give me like the pieces of that to put together. And so I think maybe the Lord just has different application for each of you. <laughs> so maybe there's some of you that have felt powerless because you've, maybe you've had people in your life that have operated in that spirit of control and have just told you what to do. And maybe, maybe you've carried that into your own, own life. Maybe there's, there's, there's those of us who are operating in control, that we want authority because we want to exercise control. Both of these things need to come into an understanding that we have value and purpose and that our power and our authority is really rooted in a submitted life, one that's taken the dominion he's given us and surrendered it back to him. And so I just want to close in prayer and whatever whatever realm of authority God has given you, (laughs) whatever area of influence, whatever leadership he's given you, let's submit it back to him. God, it is a privilege that you have given us this gift to be able to choose to love you. Like what, what an honor it is to be given that choice to bless your heart. And God, we're sorry for the times where we have misused our authority, that we have surrendered our dominion to another. (laughs) And we've we've come under uh, the authority of another rather than your lordship, rather than your your ultimate kingship. And God, we come and we, we surrender whatever measure of authority you've given us. God, and help us to see that. Help us to see the areas of influence and leadership and dominion and responsibility you've given us. And God, help us to surrender it back to your feet. And we say, God, come. Come in and begin to lead with us. Lord, we surrender. Teach us how to lead. Teach us how to pray. Give us the things that are on your heart to pray for the nation, your heart to pray for our families, your heart to pray for our workplace. Begin to open doors. And Holy Spirit, would you come in and empower us in that place of submission? Would you empower us to actually live out the call of God on our life? God, that these things that we talk about here, about surrendering our our, our our sexuality, our finances, God, to the Lord and the different areas that we talk about, that we can really take those things and bring them under the Lordship of Christ. Our emotions, everything that we have can be surrendered to you. And in that humble place, God, we trust that you will raise us up with the same resurrection power of Christ, God, that, you, that, that, that we, we hold on to that, that power that is renewing us. God, help us to see that we are seated at the right hand of Christ. That, like, that we are seated with Christ, with Christ at the right hand of the Father. What an incredible privilege it is. Help us to be, Lord, together, help us to be the ecclesia <laughs> that you desire us to be. Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>